Yo, Trey. Kevin, what's up, man? You know, I've been thinking, what would have happened if the NBA never vetoes the Chris Paul trade to the Lakers and we get CP3 in the same backcourt as Kobe in L.A.? Well, you get a very happy Jack Nicholson, for sure. And the Lakers probably win a bunch more championships. CP3 finally gets a ring or two or three. And the Kardashian empire is forever altered. What did you just say? Hey, everybody, I'm Trey Wingo. And I'm Kevin Frazier, and we're teaming up on a new weekly sports podcast from Wondery Alternate Routes. As former sports center anchors and current sports obsessives, we're consumed by all the what-if questions that make being a sports fan so excruciatingly fun. If you're like us, then you also live and die on the fallout from every drop pass. Or play call. Each week on Alternate Routes, we'll take a flashpoint in sports, break down what actually happened, then explore every alternate scenario and the ripple effects it would have caused. Follow Alternate Routes on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. You can listen early and ad-free right now by joining Wondery Plus. Yeah, there should be some passion. This doesn't have to be boring. Boring, boring. Okay, one thing the game needs is more people like you. You, you. Still have grown men run around tight pants. It's Mookie Betts. It's Daniel Bard. It's Steve Aoki. Jared Saltalamacchia. This is Brock Holt. Hey, this is John Lester. Baseball is baseball. Baseball isn't boring. Welcome to Baseball Isn't Boring. Here's your host, Rob Radford. What are you talking about? Oh boy, that ball is crushed to left field. And that ball is way gone. Sebi Zavala, who in his first three major league home runs in the same game, has bought in bulk at Yankee Stadium. It's 3-0. We were just talking about him hitting a ball 322 feet. I can tell you right now, this is well over 400. What a wild ride that was. That whole game, the White Sox at the Yankees, at Yankee Stadium, with the smoke coming down from Canada, hovering over Yankee Stadium, and then Sebi Zavala hitting two home runs. The first only went 320 feet, but that one, the one you heard the home run call a day, Jason Benetti and Gordon Beckham, that one went 115 feet further than the first one. 115 feet further. That's crazy. And the White Sox obviously end up winning that game 3-2. Lucas Giolito, well, he had a no-hitter. Well, no hitter for six innings, but he only pitched six innings, so he did not give up a hit. And by the way, it was unbelievable. Being at Yankee Stadium, seeing the whole scene and all the things that I mentioned, but watching maybe the worst effort of salvaging a no-hitter I've ever seen by Luis Robert in center field. And I understand they're saying miscommunication in left field with Andrew Benintendi, but the ball drops right at his feet with a no-hitter on the line with two outs in the seventh inning. Yeah, that wasn't good. All right, well... It's adversity. Speaking of adversity, this is the Adversity Podcast, which is unavoidable in this great game. Even Ellie De-, De La Cruz, top prospect in baseball who got called up by the Reds yesterday, he'll face it at some point as good as he is. He's going to face it at some point. Everybody does. And maybe the most heartbreaking example, recent example, came yesterday with Jacob deGrom. The news of Jacob deGrom has to have Tommy John surgery for a second time and if you don't believe me how heartbreaking it is well here's DeGrom talking about it it's tough so but oh. all right you know I, I went through this before and you know know what it takes to get back um, so that's the goal go out there you know rehab as the best I can and and be around to help you know any way I can um, you know we got a special group here um, and
and then I'll be able to, to be out there. Uh-huh. And, you know, help them win. That's it's tanks. So this is what we love to do. But you know, finding this out, coming here more. Wanting to be out here and helping the team, you know, it's a, it's a disappointment. So, yeah, that's tough stuff. And sp- another example of adversity is a guy that I actually sat down with for today's baseballs and boring interview, and that was with White Sox starter. Michael Kopech. Michael Kopech has had a lot of ups and downs in his career, even though he's only 27. Even before being traded from the Red Sox to the White Sox in the Chris Sale deal, he had a ton of bumps in the road. And then when he got traded for the, in the Sale deal, he had all the expectations of what came with being the guy that was traded for Chris Sale. And then comes the Tommy John surgery, all of it. But now you're looking at him, a guy who has learned from all the obstacles, as you're going to hear in this podcast, and landed in a pretty good place. Since the beginning of May, Michael Kopech has pitched seven times. He has a 2.72 ERA in just a 144 opponent's batting average against, and he's doing it not in the way that we remember. Way back, the guy who's trying to throw 110 miles an hour, no, he has learned. He has not only learned how to pitch, but he has learned, as you're about to hear, about so many different things about being a major league pitcher. It's a really honest conversation, and it's an honest conversation that gives you examples of how a pitcher like this gets to this point. All right, and after Kopak, we had a little bit of a conversation, not only myself, but other reporters, with Clint Frazier, the guy, another first-round pick, who has had a ton of obstacles over his brief career. He returned to Yankee Stadium, the team that obviously like he was going supposed to make his big mark with. He had come over from Cleveland in the big trade, and then that didn't work out. He was with the Rangers, and now he's with the White Sox. You're going to listen to him, and you're going to also get a valuable perspective. But first, I want to give you Michael Kopech. Subscribe, rate, review, listen. At BB isn't boring. All the socials. Producers Evans doing an outstanding job. So just enjoy it all. Consume it all. We're here for you. Today is Michael Kopech. One of the guys I love, always love watching pitch. Always. I appreciate it. Always. Yeah, Going back to the backfields in four miles. <laughs> Michael Kopech. And so, um, first of all, how you doing? All right? Good? Good. Yeah. Good. Hard to complain being in a big league. Yeah. So I saw a video of you the other day, and you, you busted out the word tomfoolery when talking about Joe. <laughs> Such an underrated word. <laughs> Such an underrated Believe word. Believe it or not, that was uh, verbatim Joe's word. Oh, it was? So, yeah. Oh, so it was in your head? Yeah. He kind of planted it there for me. Uh, <laughs> and that guy knows all about tomfoolery. So. <laughs> well, so you look at, you look at this, this is about having fun, right? This, yeah. We don't all have to do it the same way, at the same right, place, right, Joe, right. and everything. But, you know, we've talked throughout the years, and it does feel like you sort of like you're in a really, really good place, both, you know, in terms of maybe accepting yourself as a major leaguer, being a major leaguer, succeeding as a major leaguer. Do you feel that way more than ever? Yeah. Um, I think it's it's hard enough in life to kind of come into yourself, and, and in this game, it, it's particularly hard because you're trying to find uh, a comfort and a rhythm and a success in a game at the highest level where there's you know better talent than there is throughout your you know career leading up to this point so for me um 
to kind of get to a point where I, I know what it's know what it's like to be myself on the mounds. Um, I'm not going to go out there and be perfect every time, but I, I know what I bring to the table, and to be able to have a little bit of success with that makes it a little bit easier to go out there and do my job the next time. Um, so, yeah, I, I'm, I'm in a pretty good place with myself as a, as a major leaguer now. Um, you know, I, I still have a long way to, to solidify myself in this game, but I think it's you know one step at a time, and I, I'm, I'm getting to the point where I'm comfortable with who I am there. All right, so here's the cliche question turning point or maybe there was a couple turning points or maybe there was sometimes literally someone says something to you and you're like it just hits different i don't know yeah yeah um there's there's been a few actually uh there's been um during during tommy john there's uh everett tiford one of our coaches in minor leagues um charlotte right now um he told me about what my fastball does against major league hitters, and he, he took a handful of major league uh, pitchers that have similar metrics and similar velocity, and showed uh, you know hot charts for me and how that how hitters react to it and the kind of success that, that can have. Um, and then afterwards, told me the names of who those guys were, and it was it was. I, and I, I won't get into you know name dropping right, right. here and making myself you know sound like a all-star because I, I haven't proven that for myself yet but um, it was guys that have had great success at this level and so it kind of put in the back of my mind oh I can have that kind of success if I just hone in on what my capabilities are and that, that really helped me when I was getting through Tommy John and when I got back I felt more comfortable than I ever had been um, and then earlier this season, um, you know, I, I'd kind of been off to a rough start, um, and our coaches sat down with me, and they just showed me kind of the similar thing, what what my fastball can do to major league hitters, just throwing center cut, mm. um, and seeing that, you know, there's not too much damage done there, um, just made me a lot more comfortable getting ahead of guys, and, you know, I, it's not hard to be confident when you're ahead of a hitter, um, you know, when, when you have the leverage count um, so I think that put me in a good position too and you know and then to to follow or back that point I've talked about it with Pedro earlier this season you can come out here and you can watch batting practice with you know the guys knowing exactly what pitch is coming at 55 miles an hour right down the middle and you'll see you know maybe maybe half the time they're popping the ball up or rolling over it's it's still hard to square a major league baseball up no matter if you know what's coming or not so just in the back of my mind just having a little bit more confidence it's hard to do this job um and so those turning points kind of got me to a point where i was like all right i i can have success at this level and not make it harder than it needs to be it's amazing man like it's it's crazy right the mind is a powerful thing and because i say that because it's happened everybody has those things and i say it's a cliche question but it's not i mean it's you're, you're thinking the same you're thinking away and then you keep going down that way and then for something to be able to reverse course yeah it just hits yeah right absolutely so and i remember you know and, and when you're coming up you're the guy who's and i would imagine the 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 adrenaline and the the thrill of throwing 100 miles an hour 
or throwing 110 miles around, whatever you were doing, like whatever that thing was you were doing, right? Like that was what, like you're chasing that, you're chasing that because you know what? Everybody's chasing that. Yeah. I'm chasing dunking a basketball, and I'll never do it, right? But that was, but that's what you were chasing, and and I would imagine that you probably thought eventually that was going to translate to what you wanted to do as a major league pitcher, right? Yeah. Uh, I mean, I think. I think where it stems from is when when a big leaguer is being created, wherever you want to take that origin from, and you know if it's a little league ball player or what have you, I think in the back of their mind, the the dream isn't just being a part of it. The dream is being the the superstar. It's being the the Derek Jeters, the Nolan Ryan's. It's being the the guy. And so, in order to be the guy, you have to have the best stuff. And in order to have the best stuff, you know, we grew up seeing guys throw 100 miles an hour, throw you know, wipe out sliders, strike out 20 a game, throw perfect games. You know, Randy Johnson, Nolan Ryan. We've seen it in this era with Scherzer and stuff. You see guys that are, have absolutely amazing stuff that are an anomaly to what the human body can do and you want to be able to to do those things and so you chase you know the 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 things that stand out the like i said the 100 miles an hour the all of that stuff that doesn't necessarily translate to being a great pitcher it just translates to having eye-popping stuff um which is a, a lot of it, a lot of times it's part of it, but you see guys that maybe don't have eye popping stuff that can be great pitchers in this in, at this level too. And um, so if you you know this so happens that you had enough, yeah, right, yeah, I mean, yeah. of the eye popping stuff, yeah, yeah, and now was, you have the knowledge, right? Yeah, yeah. So I was I was fortunate enough to get that and able to kind of hone that into pitching capabilities. You know, I've, I've seen a lot of times in this game um, guys that played with coming up you know maybe they threw 100 miles an hour but they didn't have any kind of command yeah. maybe they threw 100 miles an hour but they didn't really have any other pitches so 100 miles an hour got hit um, fortunately I was able to kind of figure out somewhat how to pitch with that stuff but, but it, that being said I still had to get to the big leagues and take a step back and realize I'm going to have to rely on more than just trying to throw a fastball by guys here so um, now I'm, I'm pitching a little bit more in the, the mid 90s and I, I feel better as a pitcher than I ever did throwing yeah. as hard as I could. Yeah, you know? Dude, we take the pitchers in the mid nineties now. With yeah, absolutely. But it's so. This is another question where I asked. I asked a lot of, um, I guess, high draft picks and, and other people. It's like what you would tell your younger self. Like I asked this of Mickey Money. Mickey Money. What year were you drafted again? Fourteen. Fourteen. Okay, Mickey Money was the first overall pick in sixteen, right? right? So he obviously has gone through bumps and road. He's landed where he's landed. Say, so what will you tell your younger self? What will you tell those kids coming out? So there's two two moments I want you to answer that question for. It's number one, being drafted where you were in the Red Sox, and number two is when you were in part of that trade. What you would tell yourself? So from going back to when you were drafted, when you're you know like the 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 big Texas guy. And yeah, um, I think I think then. What I would have told myself is um, 
being being a professional means a lot more than being talented. Um, you know, it, it means going about your business the right way, working hard every single day you show up to the field, um, trying to get better at the things that are difficult to get better at, and not just the things you want to get better at. Um, and yeah, just just overall trying to trying to be as professional as possible. As a, as a young kid, I found that. I don't know if I found it, knew that I found it difficult then, but looking back, the difficulty I found and not just wanting to, you know, show up and play a game like I, I like I did as a as a younger kid, um, it, it was hard to do that. It's good advice, though. I mean, we're here to educate and, and inform. <laughs> our, like this draft is about a month away. Yeah, it's yeah, important. Yeah. Like, hopefully, you know, it's important. This is why we asked this. It's like, yeah, for sure. You know, it's hard to see. It's hard to see when you're yeah. coming to high school, but and I, I've I've been hard headed my whole life, so I've learned the hard way. I've made yeah. my mistakes and had to had to figure out um, how to bounce back from those mistakes. And yeah, if I could just give myself any advice, it'd be that. So, you know, you can learn without making the mistakes. Obviously, you don't want to have to, but that's how I learned. And so now the trade. Okay, and then yeah, when I got traded um I, I think then i was trying to live up to other people's expectations so much that i wasn't um wasn't figuring out who i was as a player um obviously um being involved in a trade with someone like chris sale it's like okay um they knew what they were getting rid of and i, I need to come in and be chris sale um, um yeah, you have, to, you have to be Chris Sale within two years. Or right, oh. right. I, I may never be able to do the, the things that Chris Sale does in the way that Chris Sale does them. Um, but I could have focused more on becoming the best version of myself as a pitcher and the best version of myself as, as a person and as, as a professional again. But um, the things I was trying to do is come in and, uh, you know, strike out the world and throw a hundred and again I, I kind of got away from like all the little things that really mattered instead of just being uh, like a, a, a big flash as soon as I there's got there's so there, much that goes into fun. this man like yeah, it's, yeah. it's crazy it's like, but it is crazy it's like you, I guess you have to start with a talent because I could never throw a hundred you know so <laughs> but it starts with a talent and then you go through every little bit and this is the lesson right is it there are a few guys that can come up and just drive off talent, right? Yeah. A few. Yeah. But not a lot. Right. Right? right? You see it. You see guys that can come up and they're just, they're naturally gifted and they're they're meant to be here for their entire careers. I mean, the anomalies like Andrew Jones, yeah. you know, Mike Trouts, guys like yeah, that. Yeah. It's rare, though. Yeah. Those guys are one of a kind, you know? Um, but... You know, for the rest of us, we we have to continually work incredibly hard every day. Um, I'd argue that Joe's one of those guys too. Not that Joe doesn't work. That's co-author Joe Kelly of uh, Damn Near Perfect Game. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah. right, no. But I hear you. Like he can he can jump a skateboard over a couch. I yeah. Joe, Joe's an incredibly gifted athlete, and he happened to land on the baseball field. Is the way I look at it. Um, 
Not many of us are that. Well, way. I say like, how do you throw a hundred with tail while standing on one leg? You know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But 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 you're right. I mean, everybody's different. And and um, I, the last thing is, I just as we sit here, it does must feel good. Not only because you're sitting here doing this awesome podcast, but also it just must feel good that. And there's a ways to go. We get it, right? But it must feel good that it does seem you have your head around a lot of stuff. And by the way, not only your head around a lot of stuff, but your body around a lot of stuff, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, I'm <clears throat> kind of go back to how we started this. I mean, I, I feel very comfortable with who I've become as a major leaguer. I, I feel like I've I've matured quite a bit as a as a ball player. Um, and yeah, a lot of this sounds like pat myself on the back type stuff. But like I said, I got a long way to go. Um, make adjustments from pitch to pitch from game to game and know what I need to do out right. there to become better every day so um, I, I feel I feel like a major leaguer and a professional in that way now which I think I would have been kind of lost then if we had this conversation a few years ago how, how far how long ago um, probably my debut year. Uh, my, my debut year, I was excited to be here, but I had no idea what a major leaguer meant. Yeah. Just, just like I said, glad to be here. Yeah. Well, you got a t-shirt. Congratulations. <laughs> All right. Great stuff, Mike. Great stuff. I, I've, as I said, I've been watching that kid ever since he was drafted in the first round in 2014 by the Red Sox. And he's come a long, long way in so many ways. Well, another guy who's come a long way in a subtle way, just being back on a major league team, is Clint Frazier. He came in as his defensive substitution, made a key throw from right field to cut down, or not cut down a runner, but prevent a runner from scoring on a base hit in the seventh inning. Kept the two-run game. White Sox go on to win, as he said, by one run. But Clint Frazier, you're going to hear him. You're going to hear how he viewed things. Obviously, very eloquent guy, very polarizing guy, but also a guy who seems to have found his way a little bit more than certainly he did the last time he found himself at Yankee Stadium. So let's finish things off with Clint Frazier before his return to Yankee Stadium. The crazy thing about baseball is one day, like... One day it's like, yo, I can do this for the next 10 years. <laughs> and then the next day it's like, there's no way I can do this for the next week. So it really, like, the ebbs and flows of, you know, the momentum that I let my mind take me to those places is really what I battled was, can I get back? Because ultimately, like, I really did struggle with the concussion, guys. Like, I, I, I know there's still unknowns of, you know, how and what my days were like, but, you know, ultimately you have the ability to look at what kind of player I was, and then once I sustained those things, what followed. So for me, it was more like trying to get back to the healthy, the healthy player because it it took a lot of time to get back from that, and that was really the focus for me. So until that was put away, I didn't know if I would be back. But once it got put away, what do you mean put away? The symptoms, the you know, yeah. Uh, mm, shit, dude. I know it's a process. Yeah, I mean, look, like, I don't know the exact day, you know, but I started to realize, like, in spring training this year, like, the biggest thing I was noticing was on defense. Like, I really struggled with that perception of, like, really noticing where the ball was at, you know. I'm sure people could make fun of me diving for balls and maybe I didn't need to, but I was, I was struggling to actually notice where the ball was at in space. And so 
once I got past that, I started realizing spring training, like, hey, like, starting to feel pretty good, you know what I mean? Like, like seeing the ball, hitting the ball, catching the ball, like, everything just started to feel like baseball again, and it really wasn't baseball for a while for me. It was kind of just like, I don't know what to even categorize it. I was, like, unhealthy ball to call, so. But now you feel healthy. Mm-hmm. Um, it took a long time. And you felt healthy with the Texas? Yes. And that just didn't, there just wasn't room for you on the major league roster? Or? I guess. I mean, you know, I mean, obviously right after, you know, we mutually parted ways, like I had an opportunity with this this team and, you know, was able to capitalize on it pretty well and a few familiar faces in that uh, organization that definitely helped me feel comfortable like, you know, I went to winter ball for two weeks last off season, and my manager was the head coordinator, hitting coordinator for the um, for the White Sox, who was the assistant coach of the guy that I hit with all off season. So constant communication. People really believing that my bat was back, and you know they gave me a chance and. I'd like to say I made the most of it in the short amount of time that I had. You said you're pretty accepting of doing whatever the roll calls on you here, right? Whether it's like you said, steal a base, play some defense, yeah. start a couple games in a row, whatever, whatever the sacks need of you. Yeah, I mean, look, like the, the best way to summarize it is like I just want to stick on a team. You know what I mean? And, and sometimes teams ask different things of players, and just coincidentally enough, like I'm running faster than I've ever ran in my career, so now I'm like a speed guy. And, Seven guys in the ninth inning. Like I was the guy getting defensive replaced, and now I'm defensive replacing people. So it's it's interesting how things change, you know, and how roles definitely get created. And honestly, I'm I'm very fortunate with this group of guys because this clubhouse is. I like these guys. I'm, I fit in really well. The coaching staff has accepted me, and you know, ultimately, like this team wants to win, and the urgency is now. And I think whoever's playing the best gets the, the nod for the day, and everyone's trying for that moment. How close do you, do you feel at the plate to where you were in 20, you know, when you had the great year here? You know, was it 20? Yeah, was right. Yeah, I had the same average two years in a row, so it's, I didn't know which one you were talking about. Um, but look, like you know, like I said a few minutes ago, hitting comes and goes so fast. So it's just about holding that moment and trying to capture it. But as far as you know, the the product that I've put together as a whole this season, like it feels really good. Like I've driven balls out to right. I'm I have a lot of walks. Like obviously I'm I'm not getting as much playing time right now as I was in the minor leagues. So you know, you just take it for what it is. And you know, those moments aren't easy whenever you get called on in the seventh, eighth inning to go out there and try to do whatever that moment needs you to do. So I feel. I feel really close to 20, we'll say that. That was probably my best season that I put together in the big leagues. Short season, but, you know, made the most of it. You mentioned running faster, and how would you attribute that to? Is there anything you change or doing differently? I'm about 17 pounds lighter, I'd say. You know, very skinny compared. This is the first time I'm under 200 pounds since high school. So I would just say that probably that played a role. Like, nothing changed in my workouts or anything. It's just, I think a five foot ten person that's pushing 220 has probably maxed out their frame. And I kind of settled more into a natural, I guess, frame for what my body can hold. Got the, uh, the beard, got the, the nose ring. I mean, do you feel like leaving the 
Yankees kind of, I don't know, let you come freer or more into yourself? Um, I don't want to say, like, 100% yes, and I don't want to say 100% no. You know what I mean? Because, like, ultimately, like, it is different here, and it's, 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 it's a privilege. You know, like, I wouldn't, I don't have a teammate that doesn't want to win. You know what I mean? So, like, ultimately, like, being in this organization and, and seeing how they maneuvered, like, and then leaving and going to another one, you do really look back and you're like, wow. Like, you know, there was some good and then there was some stuff where it was like, okay, and where the beard falls in, I, I sure, we can let your imagination go with where I'm at with that. But, like, I just wanted to... I, all I ever wanted with baseball was to show up and be able to be myself and be able to go out there and feel comfortable and play baseball the way that I know that I can. And, you know, there was a lot of times that I felt that way even without facial hair. So, you know, I'll take it as it is.